Do you want us to keep producing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there? If so, there's a way you can help. If you enjoy this show, please consider donating to help us pay for the cost of making it available. You can do so by using the PayPal link in the description of the podcast or on social media sites where we post it. Even a small donation would help. Thanks in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. VCU tried their darndest to lose this game, but they didn't lose this game because they made free throws at the end, which is something this team has rarely done. And it's an amazing thing that Ryan Odom's done that we have this team that is as good a foul shooting team as this. And because Joe Bamisil is just on another level right now and doing it all. It isn't just his offense. Welcome to Rams Rewind. Live here in the VCU Good and the Bad and the Ugly group. If you like what you hear, and I hope to the heavens that you do, there is a link in the description on Podbean and your other podcast platforms to the PayPal that you can deliver, you know, that you can send a donation to us. We very much appreciate it. You've supported us great this year. You supported us great last year. For all you do, thank you. Because it is fun to do this podcast, even on nights like this, when this team tries to kill you. Because this whole game, I mean, I'm listening to the game because I'm getting done from work. I'm going to get my stuff for podcasting. I'm going over to my stepdad's to watch the game on the TV and all that. And I'm very happy with what I'm hearing. VCU's moving, VCU's passing the ball. And I'm like, okay, this is good. And then from the moment I turn the game on at the under eight timeout in the first half, it was as if what they were doing in the first eight minutes, they just decided to quit doing it. I have never seen in any game as much dribble, 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 shoot. I I have ne- I've never seen that as much as I saw it in the first half. And then it continued in the second half. And we're going to get to all the good things in a moment, but this game could have been a runaway for VCU, believe it or not. You know, look at Loyola Chicago. They were 14 for 23 to start this game. They made 11 of their last 37 shots. Let me say that again. 11 of their last 37 shots. There were four for 20 from three. I've got a hell of a stat for you about VCU's three-point defense the last three games. So why couldn't VCU, who shot, who at times was right near 50% for the game and was incredible from behind the arc? Yes, I know that's mostly Bamisil, but so what? Their shot selection was so good, yet... They almost lost this game because guys kept doing one-on-one hero isolation ball BS. And you know who I'm talking about, and I'm going to call them out in a minute. And they almost gave this game away because of it. And you can't do this when you play Dayton and Richmond and some of the other really good teams in this league. You can't do it. And yet I saw it time and again in this game. What the hell? 
seriously, what the hell? And and don't let the box score fool you. We'll say the good thing about Sean Bearstow first, and that's this. He makes all four free throws in the last two minutes, which is huge. He has six assists. But think of the assists he could have had if instead of taking these ludicrous, very contested, off-balance layups that for the most part he doesn't make, that he actually passes the stinking ball once in a while. It must have been five or six times tonight I watched him dribble an entire possession, not even pass it, and take a bad shot and miss. Or he would pass it once, get it back, and take a bad shot and miss. And he has got to be pulled out of the game when that happens. He got 38 minutes tonight. Some of that was Jason Nelson getting two fouls in the first half. But uh uh-uh, that shouldn't be. Matt Shulga did the same thing a couple times tonight. But thank goodness, one of the great plays in that big run that turned this game around was Max Shulga seeing Bamasil cutting on the baseline and getting it to him in a dunk, and it was his only assist of the game. But my goodness, what was that? Bearstow and Shulga were 5 of 17 tonight. The rest of the team was 18 of 35. Did you hear me? 18 of 35. Oh, and Matt Mobley, you're right. You are right. They overplayed the passing lanes so that it becomes more necessary for the ball to move by passing it, for the ball to move constantly, for players to move so that they can't do that or when they do and you get the ball to them, you make them pay. Oh. But they won the game. Joe Bamisil, off the bench, nearly pulled off what he pulled off the other night. 25 points in 27 minutes. And I know there is debate about this, and we had it in the game thread. And this is why our game threads are awful, because we can have these conversations disagree and still be VCU fans that love each other and cheer for this team at the end. I like the fact that Joe Bamisil comes off the bench. For all the reasons that Ed Nixon said during the podcast that we did last week. If you haven't listened to it, go back to the podcast with the VC Ram Nation guys, Matt Shelton, Iden, Ed Nixon, Joe Bamisil off the bench. He, pay, he plays the perfect amount of minutes, and you saw him tonight. He was doing everything out there. Big defensive plays, driving to the basket and getting fouled. Got rebounds tonight, six of them. Joe Bamisil plays with a furious energy and tempo. And I really don't think that he would be effective beyond 30 minutes a game. I think his effectiveness would start to go down because I don't care who you are and I don't care how young and in good shape you are. It is hard to play the way Joe Bamisil plays for more than 30 minutes a night. It is difficult to do that. Not many players can. So for me, I am happy with Joe Bamisil's minutes right where they are, anywhere from 22 or 20 to 27 or 28. Joe Bamisil, incredible tonight. Uh, he had 25, Paul Seward, 25 and 27 minutes, so he didn't quite do what he did the other night where he had more points than minutes played. He came close, but he didn't quite do that tonight. I guess he was slacking off. Hardy, har, hardy, har, har. So tremendous job. Tremendous job there uh, by Joe Bamisil. Absolutely incredible. That run 
a lot of it was him, and he was making great defensive plays. He has the steal, and then the, drives in and finishes with a dunk, and look at the way he shielded his defender because that's that's the reason Bearstow struggled tonight is that so often he was not able to shield his defender, and so his shot would get bothered. You saw on that play, he gets the big steal, and he shields his defender and finishes at the rim with a slam, and I, I thought I was going to hit the roof. I was so excited. I was so excited. Who else are we calling out tonight? Kawani Kawani again. Kawani Kawani, did you see that stat they showed on the television? 0 for 17, and since then, 17 of 25. <laughs> it is incredible. It is absolutely incredible what Kawani Kawani has done since that, since the early part of the season. And he had some big rebounds tonight, and he got an assist tonight. But here's the key. Here is the key. We're not just willy-nilly flying through the air and throwing up all these threes and this and that. 52 field goals, 15 threes. So guess what they're doing? They are doing, they are taking about two-thirds twos and one-third threes. I love it. I love it so much because that's the right balance. That is the right balance. Let's also praise Christian Furman tonight who played some great defense and got some BS fouls against him and still nearly gave us a double-double. Eight points, nine rebounds. And his rebounding was crucial in the second half. Led everybody on the floor with seven rebounds in a half where VCU, after being out-rebounded in the first half yet again, plus six on the backboard, even on offensive rebounds. So VCU wins second chance points by two. And I think they lost that in the first half. Let's look. Yes. Oh, no, they actually won it in the first half. Uh, that's bizarre because I thought – Loyola had way more than three second chance points in the first half. Shows what I know. So Christian Furman, again, he'll only have he only had two points in the second half. Fantastic. Um, and yes, Joe Bradham and others. Kawani, Kawani give Kawani credit for give the coaching some credit, but also give Kawani some credit because you know he stayed positive. And again, what's a bad slump? with three-pointers compared to what he's had to go through and play. And remember, the guy played through a dead gum torn labrum, labrum last year. So was a slump from the outside going to bother him? No. And, and it's just – it's the classic. Once he saw that ball go in, look what's happened since. But he's taking the right shots. He's not forcing shots. And that's how you go 17 to 25 because that's ludicrous. I mean, honestly, to do that in any stretch from three is insanely good. And you don't do that if you're forcing stuff up. You do that because you're doing the right thing. Um, and Toby Lawall, it was a tough night. It was all I, I. You knew with Alston and Adelicon as big as they are that Toby Lawall is going to have a tough night. But he did get a big rebound, and he did get a BS foul. Unfortunately, it was the last one. It was the fifth foul because the first two he gave away in the first half were definitely fouls. And I'll tell you what, you want to talk about a great defensive effort? Okay. Adela can hurt some off the bench, but Philip Alston is two of eight. He's an all he's played at an all-conference level uh, this year. Desmond Watson, four of 13. Jordan Dawson, four of 12. And folks, this three-point defense is the real stinking article. The last three games, 
VCU's opponents are 10 for 53. You heard me right. 10 for 53. That is under 20%. Um, well, Chris MJ, the last one was a BS call. I'm not sure about the first four. Especially the first two definitely weren't. But LaWall's going to have better nights than this, and he still made some good plays, and I love him to bits. And one of the times that I got really mad at Bear, at Shulga, Shulga didn't even look for him. And if he if he drops it off to LaWall, it's a dunk. Uh, but look, 10 for 53 from three. Do you hear me? They are they – are, they have absolutely locked down that perimeter. Quite literally – they, the, the first three of the second half was just one bad rotation. That's it. And it's in the other team's head because they are missing, and good players are missing open shots. Good players are missing open shots. Um, you know what, Matt Mobley? That's an interesting comment. He says, Shulga took a beating. Uh, yes and no. You know what's starting to get on the nerves with Max Shulga? And, and, and I don't know if this is a – a soccer thing necessarily. I think he throws his head back so often that I think refs are starting to say, you know what? I'm not calling it because he does it all the time. So I really don't know that it's a foul because one of the times you're talking about, he was probably fouled three times, but he throws his head back all the time. And, and unlike soccer referees who buy that BS all the time, I think basketball referees don't like being conned and they're going to sit here and say, uh-uh, we're not, we're not falling for that. And Shulga's got to quit that. Shulga has got to quit that. Stop doing that stuff. If you're going to get – you you are worried because that's the other problem. He's a great foul shooter, although he actually missed the front end of a one-on-one one tonight. And he really wants to get to that foul line because, my God, he's almost automatic. But you know what? When you are playing and worrying about drawing the foul – Instead of worrying about making the shot, you're not going to do the things you should do. So somebody has to tell him that. Just like somebody needs to tell Sean Barristow to quit dribbling, 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 ISO. I do not want to watch that nobody does else. Nobody else does either. Play the game the right way. Think of your teammates. And when you have the ball... Instead of worrying about drawing the foul, worrying about make the good pass or make the good shot. And yes, Matt Mobley, there's a lot of contact. But I'll tell you this. If another player on the other team was doing the same thing, I'd say the same thing. So I got to be consistent here. That head back throwing stuff, it's as bad as kicking your feet out on a three, which is against the rules now. They're catching that stuff and they're not calling it anymore, which is right. And, and Daniel Carter... You're right, and Matt is right too. They let a lot of stuff go tonight. Because believe me, there was a couple times when VCU got pump faked in the air, and I thought for sure they were going to call a foul, and it didn't happen. Uh, that's an interesting comment, Ryan Thompson, and you might be right. Sean did it way too much for it not to be part of Odom's game plan. Boy, I, I tell you, you might be right, and that worries me. That worries me because that is not how this team needs to play. And it was not how this team was playing early. Because at least y'all can talk about the first uh, eight, nine minutes of this game better than me because, again, I'm only listening. It didn't sound like they were playing that way at all. And when I turned the game on, all of a sudden it was all this nonsense. Dribbling, dribbling, 
dribbling, dribbling, dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. Um, and the offense wasn't good at times, Darren Grimes. But here's the thing. There were stretches where they did the right thing. One of Barristow's really good assists is him driving, and he sees Kawani, and you know that's where the ball's going, and Kawani sticks it. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And yes, Darren Grimes, on that I will agree with you. They don't win this game if Bam isn't white hot again, and they need more movement. Bruce Stevenson, and you're right, I've been lax, and thank you because I'm going to get to that now. Um, He says, how about Jason Nelson's leadership? He stepped up tonight for sure. He gets his second foul as as I get the TV on, and as soon as he went off the floor in the first half, that offense went to bleep. It went to bleep. And they finished the half one out of eight. One out of eight from the field because it was all ISO BS. Jason Nelson, only four points, three assists, and frankly, only 22 minutes, which is, again, I'm not happy with that at all. Uh, he needed more minutes. Barristow and Shulga both needed less, in my opinion. And frankly, I would have liked to have seen three more minutes, more than three minutes for Fats Phillips, but I'm guessing he must have made a bad play. And that's why he didn't get back out there. But yeah, Jason Nelson tonight, you know, and and one of the few times they made a three. Okay, Jason Nelson's got Dawson on him. He's got he's on Dawson. Dawson's backing him down. I know it's kind of a physical mismatch, but Jason Nelson is there. If the guy scores over him, the guy scores over him. What we do not need to have is two guys joining him down there and it gets kicked out for an open three and it goes in. No. Jason Nelson is a dog, and he's a dog on both ends of the floor. And what he doesn't have in height, he makes up for in energy and getting after it. And look at that play he makes at the end of the game to finish it off. Just gets his hand in there, and somebody way up the the comment stream talked about it. And whoever you are, I'll have to go back and look and like it and, and praise you for saying it because it's absolutely right. Nelson knows how to get his hands in there. And stick his hands in there without getting cheap, uh, cheap uh, reach-in foul. And oftentimes he'll poke the ball loose, or he'll do what he did and get a steal there. And and Loyola Sushago said, "Uncle, great job, great job by him." Uh, let's give Michael Bell a call out for three out of four from the foul line and a very nice assist as well. And again, the foul line. This game could have been lost. They're up twelve. They've had that magnificent run fueled by a lot of the stuff that Joe, da- Joe Bamisil did. It is 67-55 at the under four. This game should be over. And then one, two, three, four terrible possessions in a row. What in God's name were we doing? It should have been a 9 nothing run, and somehow Braden Norris misses a foul shot. And we don't pay the piper on that because they get an offensive rebound, miss an open three. They get another offensive rebound and miss. And then Barstow gets the rebound and gets fouled and makes one of his key plays on the night. He makes two free throws. But they made their free throws down the stretch. 11 of 14 in the second half. 19 of 23 from the game. That's 82.6%. That's how you win. And again, they just they, they barely did it, but they Finally got a lead and got away from Loyola Chicago, and they and they did not get they did not do what all these other poor teams that should have beat that could have beat Loyola Chicago didn't, and they didn't let them steal it 
from you know one or two or three points down like nearly everybody else in this league has done. And so they win the game because they make their free throws. They end up plus six at the foul line, which is huge. And they shoot that well. And God bless them. Uh, and you know what? If Coach Odom got into Mike Shulga's behind on something, good. Uh, no, they did not. They they only beat us on the offensive glass by one, Daniel Carter. And what's interesting is VCU killed them on second chance points by seven. Uh, okay. This game, we may not have missed Zeb in this game. In the last game, we missed him tonight. Because Zeb, even though Zeb does some things that get on our nerves, especially with the missed layups, when Nelson was not on the floor, Bearstow and Bearstow decided that he was that he was James Harden out there. We freaking needed we freaking needed somebody like Zeb Jackson to calm it down, run the offense, and try to get some semblance of an offense going where there was ball movement and passing movement. So I really do hope Zeb is back. But I hope Sean Bearstow looks at the tape of the St. Louis game. And the dead gum uh, game before that, LaSalle game, and looks at this tape and goes, God, I do not want to play like that tonight. Sean Bearstow in those two games, yes, he was drip he was dry he was driving more than dribbling for the most part, and he was getting the angles that were needed to get those assists, and he was looking for them, and he was manipulating the defense, and he was doing a great job. And I don't know where the hell this performance came from. Yeah, I guess Dylan Brooks, that's a good point, Bradley Heat. I don't know what got in his head tonight. But honestly, that better not happen again. Because it could have cost them this game, and it will cost them down the line. Because they, as, as Bruce Stevenson rightly points out, we got some tough games coming up. And people are saying, oh, Davidson's not any good. Davidson should have beat Richmond the other night. People are going to sit here and say, oh, you know, they were – I heard people on the radio saying, oh, that's ridiculous that Richmond was an underdog. You didn't see that shot at the buzzer. That was halfway down and spat out. That sucker should have went in, and, and Davidson should have won in regulation. And fair play to Richmond. They played great in the overtime and deserved to win based on that. Um, and Manny Whitlock, you're not the only one. Barristow and Shoulders' ball control at times was is – yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. And yes, at the Belk Arena, we know what the Belk Arena is like, even with Bob McKillop not there. Davidson should have beat Richmond the other night, so I'll say that. Uh, and that's the next game, and that's Saturday night at 8 o'clock. And uh, I should be with you, but if I'm not, uh, there'll be reasons for that, and that's fine. So let's also talk about something else. That GW loss is infuriating, but at least GW is still playing well. It is getting harder and harder to understand or justify the St. Bonaventure loss because that's our next road game after Davidson. Because St. Bonaventure scored a grand total of 50 points at Duquesne and lost tonight. And I am trying to reconcile that that dadgum team came into the Siegel Center and set a record for an opponent scoring with 89 points. And since then, they haven't been worth a piece of you-know-what the entire time. They have lost four out of five now in, the, in, in conference play. And they have scored 54 at Richmond, 
74 at home to Fordham, but they lost. They blew out Rhode Island as Rhode Island regresses to the mean. They scored 60 at Mason, and at Duquesne tonight, they scored 50. That loss to St. Bonaventure is so irritating now, I don't even know where to begin. And we better pay them back at the Riley Center. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's next, that's, that's next week. That's next Tuesday night. This Saturday at Davidson, we got to go down there and be ready for that. And I think we will be. And again, this was a massive game. You lose this game, top four becomes pretty tough. Not impossible, pretty tough. Because you're looking at three losses already. And you're on the wrong side of the tiebreaker with Loyola Chicago and the wrong side of the tiebreaker with George Washington. So this was a massive win, a massive win, because, again, tiebreaker with Loyola Chicago is in our, fav- in our, in our favor. Nat Mobley, we are getting be- better. Uh, oh, yeah, and Daniel Carter, you're absolutely right. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> let me tell you something. Don't expect any help from the black and white stripes at the Riley Center because it ain't happening, especially when VCU plays up there. So don't complain to the ref. Don't do any of this looking for the foul and trying to draw the foul because you just better assume you're not getting the whistle. And you leave that to Ryan Odom and his staff to to, to, to retch and carry on about because it ain't happening when you go to the Riley Center. So great win tonight. Massive win tonight. This team – can finish top four, and they can, and they gotta, and they're gonna need some help. But second and third, maybe even first, but second and third is well within range here. Uh, the good news is they get two games with Richmond, so they can deal with Richmond uh, and hopefully put them in their place. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bradley Heath, or you're Lawall, and you're just gonna assume you're gonna get all the foul calls called on you. Best home win for Odom? I would agree with that, Matt Mobley. I would absolutely agree with that because Loyola was on fire in this conference. And remember, they're only the only time that they've been got in a close game was Richmond uh, at home in the first game of the season, and that was one where there I think there was a shot that that nearly went in for Loyola Chicago to force overtime. So this was a hell of a win for VCU. Um, but again, this could have been a lot more comfortable. Um, because there was a lot of bad stuff out there on offense tonight, but there was a lot of good stuff on defense, and I haven't praised it enough, so let me do it now before we get out of here. Loyal of Chicago, and I'll say it again. I already said it once, but I'll say it again. They were 14-23 to start this game. They were 11-37 to finish it. They were 10-30 for 30 in the second half. <laughs> that is something to behold. And think of this. Loyal of Chicago leads, leads the, the A-10 in assists. And they only had they had ten they only had five assists in the first half on fifteen made field goals and they only had five assists in the second half on ten. That's how you know you're playing good defense when you're taking a team like that and you're not letting them kick out for open threes and making them. You know, get those drop offs and get those layups and easy dunks. It didn't happen for the most part tonight. There was like one stretch in the second half when VCU got up six and then they turned it around where it happened, and other than that, it didn't happen for the rest of the night. So I praise VCU to the heavens. Even though they only forced nine turnovers, praise them to the heavens because they put the stop on a really good offense 
from about the under four timeout of the first half on, they put the stop right on him. And that is part of that is Michael Bell playing more. I'll tell you this, though. It is also guys that you don't expect. It's Bamisil and, yes, even Max Shulga playing really good defense. It's our interior guys, Fermin and, and Toby Lawal playing really good defense. And you know what? There wouldn't have been a lot of block shots tonight. Yeah, they didn't credit VC with one block shot tonight, but that's okay because you know what they didn't do? They weren't gambling for them, and that's the critical thing. You don't, you don't have to gamble. And, yeah, you might have a night like tonight where you don't have a lot of steals and a lot of block shots. They only had six steals as a team and no block shots, but they made them miss. They made them miss, and by and large, with the exception of a couple stretches in the first half, they got the defensive rebounds they needed to get, and they win the game. They win the game. So a lot of, lot of great things to praise here, even with all the doggone, even with all the doggone things that I've been frustrated by that I had to get out of my system because, yes, I am unfortunate. I was with, watching with two other people, and I am losing my mind. I am screaming. I am yelling. I am jumping out of the chair throwing my hands up at the television, just going crazy at some of the things they did tonight. But it just shows you again, how good can this team be when they really, when they really lock down on both ends of the floor and when they really think about uh, doing the right things and playing for each other and, and looking for their teammates, it's frightening how good they can be. And that's another great point, Daniel Carter. That end of the half – was awful. That last eight minutes of the first half was terrible, and that three from Joe Bandesil was absolutely huge. But let's remember something. The reason they should have been down, and in past years, they could have been down 14 or 15 easily, but they got stops. Loyola was one for seven finishing the half. So that's why they were only down three. Yes, Matt Bobley, Joe Bandesil's energy is infectious. There's no question about it. Everybody loves being on the floor with him, you know, because he's got a smile on his face. And when he's cooking, whew, he's cooking. But that's the thing. We can't rely on it every night. And two of the wins in this four-game winning streak, Joe Bamisil was one for ten combined. So that's the thing that's important is that we're not going to – as great as he's been these last two games, we're not going to get that every night. And we still can find a way to win without it. Yeah, Kawani's three in the end one. That was fantastic. Kawani's just been, seriously, 16 points on seven shots is nuts. It's absolutely nuts what what Kawani's been up to lately. And that's 17 and 25 since he was over 17 is, again, you just don't see it at this level. And 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 that is down to that is down to his mental toughness and some good coaching. And again, he just needed to see the ball go in. And and all of a sudden now, that basketball that basket looks as big as a doggone pool backyard pool that he's shooting into. It's just wonderful. So, as I said, Saturday eight o'clock CBS Sports Network yet again. I should be with you. If I'm not, there'll be a good reason for it, and I'll and I'll let you know. And in that case, that you know, we'll I'll I'll watch the game later, do the podcast, and it'll drop Sunday morning. Uh, this podcast, if you're in podcast land, hopefully you're listening to this Wednesday morning and it'll brighten your Wednesday morning. VCU women tomorrow. Let's also say this. 
I believe that is 11 a.m. I'm going to look that up right now, but I think that's 11 a.m. on ESPN+. Plus. So let's let's keep a good thought for the ladies who have been just fantastic uh, this year and are and should be in first place in the A-10, but they messed that game up at Richmond when they were winning for most of it. So, yeah, 11 a.m. tomorrow against Dayton. Uh, Dayton. And remember this, too. The next, the following Wednesday, they're 11 a.m., but they're at home. So, you know, if you can play hooky for work and go support the women when they play Duquesne at home after these two games on the road, uh, that would be awesome. So thank you all, everybody in the comment thread in the game, in, in both this video and the game thread. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed, uh, as always, I enjoy our comments. Uh, look for VCU by the numbers probably tomorrow morning, maybe tomorrow night. I'm not sure. If not, Thursday morning. I actually may wait till Thursday morning so that all the A-10 games get played so we have a better idea of where the A-10 stands. So probably Thursday morning uh, we'll have VCU by the numbers as well. Um, thanks again, everybody, as always. Thank you for all the support. Again, if you like us and you want to help us out, there's that link to the PayPal in the description. We really appreciate it when you do. And hopefully we'll see you live here in the Good and the Bad and the Ugly Group Saturday night. What a win. We are we're we've got we can we can have our eyes now on the top spots after tonight. Thank you very much. Talk to you all later. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.